Hi everyone and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast where every week on Thursdays we interview leading professionals, thought leaders and overall disruptive minds in the field of sustainability to share their views on the present and the future of the world through the prism of sustainable development. Today we have Levi Drake, the driver of environmental behavior change in the organizations across the UK. We will discuss practical steps of bringing more environmental awareness to the masses and um, dealing with tricky cases as well. Livy works with businesses, events and green champions to achieve their sustainability goals whilst demonstrating how campaigners, communicators and businesses can achieve greater behavior change outside of the green eco-chamber. And she has the practical experience to draw upon spanning events, businesses and environmental campaigning organizations. She's super inspiring and I guarantee you will learn a ton from this interview. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. I'm ready to welcome Livy in a second. Hi Livy, super happy to welcome you on Sustainability Explored. Finally, we found time to connect and to record this interview. We will be talking about something that has been in my interest pool for a while namely behavior change. Earlier, I had a conversation with um, someone in Canada uh, about medical waste and how we should eliminate that waste going to the landfills. And we touched this a little bit last week uh, on a podcast that a big, massive behavioral change is needed in people's perception of waste, of, you know, When it's on the table, I see it as a problem. When it's uh, not on the table, somewhere else, if I throw my mask uh, in the ocean, well, the problem has kind of disappeared. I know that Mm. you are working in the field of training uh, organizations and individuals on sustainable approach to life and business. You are the owner of your own company, Sustainable Sidekicks. You're also a podcast host of a podcast called Woke and Confused. So let's, let's talk about this. First, tell me what brought you in this space uh, in time. What brought you into sustainability and in particular, this very narrow niche of sustainable, sustainable behavior? Hi, Anna. Great that we could finally chat. My journey started, so I'm um, one of those people who, a career changer or developer. So I was working in sales and marketing, and then I got into events, and I loved events. I loved the engagement and the excitement, but I couldn't bear the wastefulness of the industry. And I was working in Australia and I was um, at an event and it was a full moon eclipse festival and it was actually sort of very sustainably orientated and they, I, work, I volunteered there and I organised all of the waste into lots of different piles and you know it was very off grid etc. But I experienced this full solar eclipse and I'd just, I'd just been snorkelling in the Great Barrier Reef and I suddenly had this realisation like wow Mother Nature's incredible. What am I doing to support her? And when I was in my younger years, probably eight or nine, I was a very avid environmentalist. I did all the recycling. I read lots of books about animals going extinct. 
So I made a commitment that I wanted to dedicate my energy and my enthusiasm to to um, supporting Mother Nature and address the wastefulness. So when I came back to the UK, I did another nine months of a a, um, corporate events job. And then eventually I had had enough and I left and started uh, doing training in sustainable event management and also volunteering with projects around um, food waste and plastics waste. And in my foray into the environmental movement, I started thinking, hang on a minute, these people have been at this since the 1970s. Why don't environmentalists engage more people? I care about these things. Why doesn't everybody else? And I was working for a festival called Shambhala and we'd brought in a behavior change consultant And so she started explaining how the brain works and how psychology works and how we're wired for shortcuts and we're looking for the easy option. And we're also focused on what's happening around us and in our immediate vicinity. And so it all started to become so clear as to why we couldn't talk about polar bears and expect everybody to suddenly stop driving a car or getting on a plane to go on holiday. And so... Um, I actually then went to a university in Bristol and did an MA module on behaviour change. And I've spent a lot of time uh, doing further online trainings around behavioural economics and different theories and how how they can be applied to activate change. But really to understand what drives people's behaviour in the first instance, because it's no good telling people what they should do because we need to understand why they're doing the first behavior, what need it satisfies in them, and then think about how we design the interventions or we communicate in a way that meets that need, rather than trying to to appeal to people's rational brain, because the reality is we don't use our rational brain for many of our uh, decision making. Right. Did you know that I'm also coming from mass events Sphere uh, and I practically, ah. yeah, I left for the same reasons as you. I couldn't keep up and stand this uh, wastefulness. We had to, I was working for the company that did Olympics ceremonies, like this scale of events, uh, mm. ceremonies open and close and etc. And so imagine making costumes every time for a new bunch of people, volunteers, 500 and plus volunteers and every time it's a new show it's a a new creative approach new costumes new materials that no one no one uses longer than the show itself so two hours max and it goes into nowhere i love your example about polar bear don't drive your car because polar bears and ice caps are melting How to fill in this gap? There is a massive gap in understanding, and sometimes I also fall into this uh, gap slash trap. Uh, How to get people on board with the message? How do you explain this chain of, this train of thought that, um, I don't know, CO2, um, combustion engines, blah, 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 and then it leads us to to the polar bears. I, I imagine it's very hard to do but what's your approach so i would say we shouldn't be talking about polar bears at all we should be talking about what's happening in people's immediate surroundings the things that they can relate to so Mm -hmm. um 
air pollution is is huge and it's affecting um, asthma it's shortening people's lives the amount of children who um, are asthmatic now is is growing exponentially but equally talking about very negative things and using shame or fear doesn't actually um, motivate people to change it it leads people to doing short-term actions to make them feel better so people will do some offsetting you know to a short term oh that makes me feel less guilty so we don't want people to be feeling guilty at all in fact there's a great neuroscientist um, called Chris DeMayer and he says instead of talking to people about what they should do we should be giving people um examples of people taking action on a particular issue because actions drive beliefs so rather than giving people and this is what we do in the environmental sector rather than giving people a a menu card of all the things that they could do so you could um, you know fly less use less plastic you could wash your clothes at this degrees and blah 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 Rather, we should allow them um, a cooking lesson so they actually get to experience taking action and feel what how taking action makes them feel. So then they feel empowered to make changes. And if we can't allow people to give them that cooking lesson, then giving those examples of people like them taking action so that they see, oh, oh, that actually this flooding issue or this air pollution, it is being changed other people are make, making a change, then I will want to take action. So um, in 2008, uh, the Department of Rural Affairs in the UK did some studies and um, they found that people are likely to take action on uh, and change their behaviours if they know other people are taking action, that their actions will make a difference, that um, is expected by wider society and that it fits with their existing lifestyle. The fits with the existing lifestyle bit is a bit challenging because really we have to change our existing lifestyles. But the fact that actually people are more likely to take action because other people are, is really key to how we communicate behavior change. So we don't need to talk about polar bears. We need to talk about the people down the road who've also um, now walk their children to school or are going on a slow slow vacation on a train or have started you know eat eat plant-based meals Monday to Friday so we need to talk to things in their local community rather than things that are happening miles away right I I totally agree definitely your approach and your examples reminded me I'm blanking on the correct name of that theory but in a nutshell it is about uh, when people are littering in one spot others are more engaged to follow that same example. And so piles of trash appear in certain areas because ah, I think it's the theory of broken uh, windows and those places that are clean by default or cleaned often, they remain clean. So we, we really are tribal species and we follow the good example and the bad example. Uh, Lizzie, where are you based? So I'm currently in the UK in um, in Gloucestershire. I was on my way to move to Europe. I've got a German passport and I was on my way to move to Europe when the pandemic hit. So I'm currently um, living with my mum, which was not the plan. I was just packed away my whole life um, and literally the pandemic hits. And so I'm sort of still living in boxes a year later. 
the reason I ask is because I follow you on LinkedIn, uh, massive work that you are doing in terms of communication, communication, and not only, you're really getting getting somewhere deeper rather than just informing and raising awareness. So the reason I ask is because uh, I'm looking at your website right now, Sustainable Sidekicks. You offer a ton of different services uh, and you ask very good questions. How to create change in your workplace culture, how to reduce plastic packaging from your suppliers. Uh, Not only it's not just relevant uh, to those being in the UK, everywhere else in the world. But I'm interested to hear from you, what types of services do you offer? What type of people attend your events and trainings? What, what is happening in that sphere in the UK at the moment? And then maybe if you want your plans for the future expansion. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I'm actually um, just in the process of updating the website and making it very clear who I work with because one of the things I found, because I worked in sustainable events for a number of years and um, I got really despondent because when I was doing it, people weren't mobilized to make change and it was very much around the edges. And um, I feel now we're we're facing a climate crisis. So the people I want to work with are change makers. And so people could be a business owner. They could be a green champion in their organization. They could be an ethical business. They could be an environmental campaigner. But the, the overarching theme is that people want to make change And so my services are designed to support people to deliver change um, with those principles of behavioral psychology. So understanding what's going on and using systems thinking and design thinking principles so we can understand like what is the problem that we're trying to solve and and design solutions around that. So and with the workshops I attend, uh, I put on, I have people from um, Europe attending um, I with the events workshops I've had people from Australia so definitely the pandemic has made um, my work and a lot of other people's work very online and my aspiration for my organization and my um, plan is to is that I will uh, be able to in the next few years uh, buy a piece of land old agricultural land for rewilding because um, I've I don't know about you, but I've been reading books about how do we sequester carbon and lots of people are planting trees, but actually we can um, allow nature to do its thing and bring back animals and allow land to uh, regenerate. So I would like to be a custodian of land that could be regenerated um, and created for nature because um, I'm a huge bird lover. I'm a huge animal lover, seeing them in the wild. And it it breaks my heart to know that um a lot of animal um, loss is because of habitat um, destruction and the lack of habitat. So finding places to um, protect them from being built on or, you know, allowing them to be regenerated is one of my dreams to kind of reconnect with Mother Nature. I'm in absolute awe of your plan. Say it as it is. Thank you. Uh, what would be your top three to five tips for anyone outside of the UK uh, not really being probably able to connect with you or get your training or do you say you do those online now yep so my trainings are all online Um, I've got on-demand content so people can watch the webinars 
so yeah it's all designed to be um, available to anybody so they can watch it at any time so um, they can also connect with me on LinkedIn as well but the tips that I would give people and I know in different countries um, things like behavior change and sustainability are at different places and you know in the UK we talk about um, people a few years ago reducing people's meat intake was an extreme behavior you know veganism was very much on the fringes and now it's been very much normalized so that people are actually choosing to eat less meat because of their health reasons and I use this example because it demonstrates that we can achieve um, benefits for the environment so people eating less meat without talking about the environment again so if people are in other countries where they feel like sustainability is not as well established or um, you know, ideas like behavior change aren't there or, you know, the idea of people driving less or eating less meat or um, reducing consumption, you know, seem a bit far flung. I would go back and think about the people that you're looking to connect with, maybe your work colleagues, maybe your family and say, OK, what need does this particular behavior fulfill for them? And how else could that need be met? So one of the examples um, would be things like uh, shopping and fast fashion. So people go shopping because it um, gives them a big kick. You get a dopamine hit from it. Mm. So it's a very neural kind of, a, you know, a behavior is, you know, it's addict addictive behavior. And fast fashion facilitates that because it's cheap. So we get to buy things. We don't feel guilty about spending money. So that's the need that fast fashion fulfills for people. So if we want to change that and fulfill it in a different way, we need to provide a model that will still give those adrenaline hit hits. So things like hiring clothes or clothes swaps, you can still get that feeling of the new item, but it's not necessarily people buying it. So the, the idea is rather than sort of preaching to people and telling them that their behaviors are bad, we understand why they're doing something and how else we could achieve that feeling or that sense you know in, in many cultures eating meat is something for special occasions it's a sign of wealth there's all these things that are, are tied up so we we have to be culturally sensitive to why things are happening love all these tips love these ideas definitely um definitely it's something to think about and um, earlier you made a connection to to the neuroscience and neuroscientist Christy Mayer. Yeah, for all of all of those who are listening to to this episode, to this podcast episode, it's definitely something to check to check out. Uh, Livy, one final traditional question. I know it's a short interview, but uh, we are all <laughs> booked with other commitments. Uh, you and me, everyone. One last traditional question to wrap up this interview. I usually ask my guests for one piece of advice they could give to the listeners of this podcast what would be yours so my one piece of advice would be that being the change you want to see in the world may seem like it's not being enough or not doing enough and I have that quite often so I think oh I need to do more I'm not doing enough but actually modeling the behavior that you want to see in the world will inspire change and that's because you're creating that norm of how you want people to show up. So just by behaving in a different way, doing different things and talking about the positive benefits of that behavior can really help 
to break down people's barriers to change. So the example I give um, for this is I gave up flying a while ago and I have flown since but I've, I've done periods where I haven't flown I've gone on train journeys and people are like oh but that takes ages and all this and that and the other and instead I talk about the experiences and the excitement and the funny things that happened along the way and the crazy man I met who was um, going from London to Marrakesh to go and buy a carpet and all the other funny experiences and the time that I had. And so I frame these things in terms of the benefits and not about the loss, because when we talk about giving things up, our brains immediately go into something called loss aversion. And we think about all the things that we're going to lose out of. And that means that as human beings, we'll stay in our status quo because we don't want to lose things. So we need to talk about all the, the things that we'll gain if we change our behaviour and make those appealing. So being the change, coming from a place of positivity and, and modelling that behaviour that you want to see in the world will lead to change. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I so much appreciated our conversation today. This was great. And you are great. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Anna. This was episode 93, season 8 of Sustainability Explored. Thanks for being here with us today and for listening to this episode. If you like it, found it useful, going to implement any advice uh, given by Libby, please let me or her know via LinkedIn. Subscribe to this podcast not to miss any new episodes. And if you like the podcast in general, please leave us a review, rate, comment on the platform you're listening on. This will help other people to discover the podcast and help them educate themselves on the matters of sustainability. Thank you once again for listening and until next time, next Thursday. Take care, stay sustainable. Bye-bye.